0: This morning, I want to talk about friendships. And I really feel a burden in my heart to talk to all of us about our relationships, because I know many of you, and I've counseled some of you, and I constantly see toxic relationships tearing good people down. And today, I want to just make some things clear from Scripture. I want to show you from the Bible what a good godly relationship looks like. My goal today is to help you become a great friend first so that you could better choose great friends for your life. Some wise guy said that, that if you show me your friends, I will show you your future. If you want a great marriage, don't get around folks that their marriage is struggling just like yours or worse. Allah. Get around some folks that have a great marriage and they will provoke you to have a better marriage. Go sit down with them for dinner and watch how he pulls the chair out for his wife. Watch how he's cautious. Watch how they treat each other so that you can rub off on that and get... Right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Heard another, another great quote this week, uh, a lady by the name of Linda Grayson, I think she's an author, but she said this, I thought it was pretty cool, she said, there's nothing better than a friend, unless it's a friend with chocolate, come on somebody, <laughs> hey, you can be a BFF, but if you're a BFFC, watch out, we tight, <laughs> right? <laughs> but last week we talked about how we need to choose our friends carefully, we need to have friends who are close enough to know and sense when something's going wrong. Do you have those relationships? Friends who care enough to tell us the truth in love. We need friends who will, who will grab a hold of heaven for us. Come on, are your friends praying for you? I'm not talking about, oh Lord, just bless them, Lord. I'm talking about grabbing a hold of heaven. Lord, help so-and-so in this situation. Redeem them, restore them, help them to walk through this thing. That's the kind of friends I need, right? Folks that are going to grab a hold of heaven for me. And so I want to show you from the story of David and Jonathan today how we can be a great friend and what great friends look like. Now, let me clarify something this morning. I'm not talking about your friends on Facebook, You may have four, five, six hundred, thousand. I don't know how many friends you have on Facebook. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the kind of relationship that you can really only manage about three or five, three to five of them in your lifetime. Don't worry about having too many BFFs. You need to take care of the few that you got because you can only manage so many. Studies have shown that most humans can only manage three to five intimately close relationships. It made me take account of my close relationships. I think I can manage four. I wish I could tell you I can manage ten. I can't. I can't manage ten. So I want you to understand who I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the person that's going to help you get somewhere. It's the person that's going to be there for you when you need them. The person that really matters. That person, the person that prays for you this morning, we all need that person. Amen? So I want to show you from the story of David and Jonathan today, and I want you to, I just want to tell you, I just want to kind of warn you this morning that Jonathan is, he's pretty extreme. This dude here is like the best friend there ever was. And you may hear some of what I'm preaching today and feel like that's out of your grasp. But I'm just saying it and I'm preaching it this morning to give you something to shoot for. Are you hearing me? To give you something to go after, to give you an example to follow. First Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse one. Just to give you the backstory real quick. David has already gone to the battlefield, slayed Goliath, cut off his head. Come on for a young teenage boy. That was like a big deal. Right? So he's the man, he gets brought into the kingdom, he's now a warrior, and he's, he has this ability to play the harp, and, and, and so he's, he, he comes and he plays for Saul part-time, and whenever Saul's having a bad day, he comes in and plays the harp for him and brings uh, peace to him. And so we pick up the story here in verse 1 of chapter 18, and it says this, After they had finished, after David had finished speaking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them, and they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. First of all, there's a whole lot in here. If I took chapter 18 to about chapter 23, we could go for months on on the qualities of David and Jonathan's relationship, the turmoil that they walked through. I only got about 30, 40 minutes. I'm going to give you what I pulled from this and what I think is relevant for today. And the first thing I want you to notice is that Jonathan is royalty. Jonathan is the king's son, So think about that for a minute. At that time, he was second in command. Jonathan was like in line to take over the throne. He's royalty. He's the prince of all Israel, right, in those days. You with me? He's royalty. David, on the other hand, being a polar opposite, is a poor farmer's boy who happened to kill this big old dude out in the field and got some recognition for it. (laughs) And so these two guys, God took two boys from two different worlds and he put them together in the rarest occasion and they're polar opposites. A lot of us choose our friends because we have common interests. Maybe we have a common background. Maybe we have a lot of things in common, but, but this may not necessarily be a God friendship. It may just be a friendly infatuation. Would that be okay to say? Come on, would you be honest with me this morning? See, yeah, I got some friends in my life. I like what they do, and we get to do it together, so we, we kind of hang out. But if a crisis hits your life, you're probably not going to call them. <laughs> right? And they probably don't want you to call them. <laughs> right? So there's a massive difference between these two guys. So I want to give you five questions this morning that you need to ask yourself or you need to ask God when it comes to choosing a BFF. I'm going to try to make that the last time I say that. <laughs> Number one, is God setting us up? Yes, like a blind date, is God setting us up? I know for you guys that may feel a little weird. What you mean, is God setting us up? I mean, like, dudes don't do that kind of stuff. Yes, you do. You just don't want to admit it. You need to ask yourself about the relationship that you have, the person you call your BFF. You need to ask yourself, is this God setting us up? Because the Bible says that right there in that moment, David speaking with Saul, turns around. Saul says, hey, this is my son Jonathan. He shakes Jonathan's hand, I'm assuming. And then immediately the Bible says they were joined together. Some translations said they were knit in the soul. It was like it was a God-ordained moment for them to come together. We all need God-ordained friendships in our lives. If you don't have them, you need to start believing God for them and asking him for them today. Is God setting us up. You need to have some discernment, enough discernment to realize if God is putting somebody in your life or not. That's the way we normally say it in the church world today. Well, God put this person in my life. And it's kind of a casual way of saying that God ordained this relationship. Sometimes it's momentary. Sometimes it's, it's just for a short period of time. Sometimes it's for life. Is this a God-ordained relationship? You should have enough spiritual discernment to realize that God is setting you up. Amen? <laughs> but see, that's going to put a little pressure on your relationship with God. Because <laughs> to get that kind of discernment, you've got to know God more than just on Sundays. Oh. Yeah, you got to know him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and celebrate him on Sunday. What? You gotta have some discernment, y'all. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He whispers to you, He confirms things to you. He lets you know that this is a good relationship. This is not a good relationship. Yeah, but I like the way they do their hair. Okay. Proverbs 18 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the scriptures say that there is a friend that comes in and gets in between. He gets closer to you than a brother. Come on, how many of you have some friends like that? I won't go to some of my family, but I'll go to my friend. Well, that Pastor, that's easy. <laughs> Not for everybody. The Bible says to be friendly and friends will come. Then ask God for a Jonathan kind of friend. Here's the thing you need to understand. You need to let it come to you. Ask for it and let it come to you. Don't force it. Don't go forcing yourself on people. It gets weird. If it feels weird, back up a little bit. Come on. I was dating Cheryl. Cheryl and I went on a date. I asked her out. She used to work at the uh, the reception office at McNeese State University. And I'd go in there and I'd hang out with her. And, and I asked her out on a date and she gave me her phone number. But the problem was, is from my dorm room, I couldn't call out. So I said, no, you got to call me. And so she ain't called call me. So I went back to the reception room, right? Because I was after something. I said, hey, you didn't call me. She said, I ain't calling you. You the man. You got to call me. And she did her head like all this, you know, like, like you women do. I don't even know how y'all do that, like a chicken. It just feels weird. I mean, it's like. Like, dude, what's wrong with your neck? But I had to figure out a way to pursue her, right? And it was kind of awkward, so we went on this date. We went to, on our first date, we went to McDonald's. College budget, baby. Come on, somebody. Hey, super size. Big money grip. Hey, we, we did what we could with what we had. Come on. And I didn't kiss it for the first four dates. She'll confess to you. She thought something was wrong with me. I didn't want to force it. Did I want to kiss her? <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to kiss her, but I didn't want to force it, right? Because if I'd have forced it, she might have took off. You got to make it special. When God puts people in your life, you don't need to force it. God's gonna make it happen. Don't throw yourself on people. Quit that. That's weird. Don't throw yourself, don't, don't stalk people, don't go after them when they don't want to be going after. Just kind of sit back, and let it come to you. Is this making sense? Is this helping anybody this morning? You need, to, you need to relax a little bit. Is God setting you up? Because if God is setting you up with this person, if God's putting this person in your life or you in that person's life, you don't need to worry about it, it's going to happen. Let it flow naturally. Amen? Amen? Another translation of that verse says it like this. It says, there, is a friend who de- there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. So that, means, that tells me that there's some relationships that aren't good for me. I'm going to give it to you real simple. When I quit smoking dope and started following Jesus, I had to quit hanging out with my dope buddies. Well, why, Pastor? Because they smoke dope and I don't. And I like dope and I want to quit. Right? There's people in my life I don't need to be with. So it's God setting us up, number one. Number two, this is a simple question, but I, I guarantee it doesn't get asked very often. Are they good for me? And you've got to get real honest with yourself. Are they good for me? Are they dragging me down? Are they provoking me to get closer to God? Are they good for me? Is this relation good for me? Relationship good for me. Verse four said that Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And I go, Wow, man, this, this almost feels a little bit aggressive to me. Wouldn't you agree? I mean it's like they just met and Jonathan's like stripping off his clothes. He's like, Dude, here take my belt, take my bow, take my sword, take my tunic, take my robe. I believe that Jonathan had enough discernment to see that this is a God-ordained relationship, and he took advantage of it. Now, I find it very interesting that he began to give him gifts right away. This is important. Are they good for me? I want you to see how Jonathan treats David in this moment. He took off his robe, he took off his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt, and he gave it to David. You see, Jonathan was the prince. Jonathan took what symbolized his importance. Jonathan took what, what gave him his status and he lowered himself by taking off his robe. It was a, it was a kingly robe. It wasn't a, a, a generic robe. It was one that was custom made for a king. He took off his robe and he gave it to David. Then the Bible says that he took off his tunic, which was basically his undergarment, a long t-shirt that was probably nicer than the one David had because David was a poor form boy. And Jonathan took off his tunic and gave, (laughs) something popped in my head. He gave him his tunic and it said something. Then he gave him his sword, he gave him his bow, and it said something. When Jonathan gave him his robe, it was his outer garment. It gave David a position that David didn't have. It was a kingly robe. Jonathan said, "Here." Jonathan said, "Here. Wrap yourself in this." I'm reminded of the story when the prodigal son returned. You remember that? And the father ran out and what did he dress him? It's not because he was ashamed of him. It was because he wanted him to be important. He wanted him to feel important. Come on, good friends will make you feel important. I'm not talking about it in a fake way. I'm talking about it in a real way. They will lift you up. Jonathan was saying when he gave his robe that I'm going to lower myself in this relationship and lift you up. Oh, that's so different than the world, right? I'm going to lower myself. What you talking about? What's that, what's that mean? If you go ask somebody in the world today what that means, I ain't lowering myself. You tripping. I've been working this hard to get this high. He lowered himself and lifted David up. He took off his tunic, which was his undergarment, because he cared about what David looked like. He just cared for him. His clothes were probably a little raggly, like we used to say in school. raggly, Not raggedy. raggly. A little raggly. He cared about him. Jonathan was saying in that moment, just like I care for me, I'm going to care for you. Doesn't that sound Like one of the great commandments, love your neighbor as your, hmm, I'm going to care for you just like I would care for myself. He gave him his sword, which I kind of find kind of of funny. He gave him his sword because he was upgrading from a sling. (laughs) See what I'm saying? I bet he was glad to get that sword after he went after Goliath with the sling. By giving him the sword, he gave him a position as a warrior. He's saying to David, I recognize that there's something in you and I'm going to equip you with what you need to fulfill that thing in you. Come on, is this making sense this morning? I'm going to give you a sword because I see that there's a warrior inside of you and every warrior needs a good sword. And I promise you, Jonathan's sword didn't come from the generic sword store right it was custom-made probably nice probably pretty probably of the best metal he gave him something because he recognized something in him he gave him his bow the Bible says that Jonathan was an excellent marksman with the bow and the arrow excellent in fact it almost goes to the point of saying there was nobody better than him And I think Wow man Jonathan gave David his bow His most prized possession, his self-defense, his defense mechanism. you got to see this this morning. When Jonathan handed him his bow, I believe Jonathan was saying to David, listen, I'm giving you my defense mechanism because I trust you, and I'm going to let my defenses down because I sense that there's something bigger going on here, and I'm going to let you know I'm all into this thing. Come on. Some of you aren't having good relationships because you won't let your defenses down. You are hurting one relationship which is causing you to not enjoy the next relationship because you're still hanging on to your bow. You're still cocked back ready to shoot in case somebody does something that looks like the other thing that the other person did to you. The problem is, is you're not identifying that it's a different person. He gave him his bow. He says, "Listen, bro, I'm going to relax around you. I'm going to let my guard down." I come on, you got to get this this morning. I'm going to be real with you today. I'm going to be real with you. Listen, bro, here's my bow. I'm not ready to fire back. Are you seeing this, man? There's a lot right in there. He's saying to him, I'm not going to be locked and loaded, ready to fire the moment you start to look like the last relationship I had. I'm going to give you my bow. And then I find the next one kind of hilarious. He gives him his belt. I'm like, dude, keep keep your clothes on. And he gives him his belt. I'm thinking, bro. I'm glad I have a belt. Right? I mean, you glad you got a belt? I mean it holds everything where it's supposed to be. It keeps what's covered, covered. <laughs> right? It's good to have a belt. I promise you it's good that I have a belt on today. It's for your benefit. And mine. (laughs) But he gives him his belt. Pulls his belt out. Here, take my belt. And I go, God, what was he saying when he gave David his belt? I mean, like, what was the significance of giving him his belt? I personally believe that that Jonathan was saying to David, Listen, bro, I'm giving you this thing because we're going to do everything we can to hold this together. I'm giving you what holds me together. I'm giving what holds me together to you so that we can hold this relationship together. Come on. I'm giving you what supports me because I I want us to hold. I'm I'm, I'm committing to you today that we're going to work this thing out. Oh, man, come on. This is what marriage is about. It's a covenant. It's not a a contract. It's a covenant. You're saying to one another, listen, I'm in this thing until death do us part. And we say the words and they sound pretty, but 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 there's a time between the wedding and the death where it gets tested. Right? Sometimes you think, Why well, sit till death do us part? Is it a sin to take her out? <laughs> I've never said that. I just think maybe some of you might have said that. But he gave him his belt. You see, if you're going to have friends that that last, friends that are kingdom friends, friends that are ordained by God, you're going to have to put some trust in there and you're going to have to be willing to walk through some stuff in there. Amen? My My closest BFFs... (laughs) I've walked through something with every one of them. We've offended one another. We've done each other wrong. We've, we've, we've mistreated one another at times. But, but there was such a, a commitment to the relationship that we said, you know what? We're going to work this thing out. And we sat down and we had a come to Jesus meeting and we worked it out. Why? Because we love one another. Right? Because we feel like God is putting us together. None of us can be. Either one of us can't be what God's called us to be if we're apart. I think about loyalty. Loyalty is a big deal. We like to think we're loyal, but until it's tested, we don't really know. Jonathan gives him everything. Are they good for me? That's the second question. The third question is this. Can I be real with you? Can I be real with you? That's a that's a good question, right? How many of you would agree that's a good can I be real with you? Can I be real in this relationship? Can I speak frankly? Can I tell you how it feels how it feels? (laughs) And you not judge me? You not condemn me? (laughs) You not post me? (laughs) Come on. Can we be real? Can I be real with you? Watch this in, verse, in chapter 20 of 1 Samuel. Because David and Saul begin to have a thraka. A problem. Saul's trying to kill David. Jonathan's caught in the middle. He doesn't want to believe it. Then there comes a point where David has to get real with Jonathan. Chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Watch this. David now fled from Nooth in Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done? He exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? Listen to John's response. That's not true, David. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Watch the pressure. Feel the pressure in this thing. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan why should I hurt him. But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. (laughs) Okay, he's getting real with Jonathan about Jonathan's dad. Bro, your dad's about to kill me. Oh, man, my dad's not going to kill you, bro. Nah, he, he, he tells me, everything. no, listen to me, man. I'm serious, bro. Like, like I'm scared. Like, like this, I'm on death's door. I'm, I'm one step away from, your daddy's about to kill me, bro. He's not letting you know because he doesn't want to hurt you because he knows we got friendship. You see it? Can I be real with you? Can I tell you something's not right in our relationship? Can I tell you that there's something that needs to be worked on? Can I tell you that something's not feeling real good right now? You know, most problems with relationships is because we don't know how to communicate what's bothering us. Am I in the right church this morning? I mean, come on. If if you can't communicate what's bothering you, then the person never gets the chance to understand what their problem is. They never get to understand how you're feeling. If you're upset and quiet in a relationship or in a marriage, you're not doing it any good. (laughs) Come on, pastor. You know, if I stay quiet long enough, she's going to forget everything. (laughs) Believe that. We don't forget nothing. Right? Bro, there's something, something bothering me. Is it okay to go to a close friend and say, hey, man, can we talk? Yeah, man, what's up? Listen, bro, there's something bothering me. I just, I just want to communicate it with you to try to gain some understanding because there's something here is not, it's not feeling right. I, okay, well, what's up? Well, I mean, when you do this, it, it makes me feel a certain way. And, and I just want to understand, are you, are you aware that it makes me feel this way? Because I don't believe you're trying to hurt me. I believe you're just doing something and you're not even knowing what you're doing. Is that okay? How many of you believe that would work? Okay, two of you. The rest of you need to go home and try it. (laughs) Can I be real with you? Can I share my stuff with you? Can I let you in my mind? (laughs) You sure? (laughs) You sure you want to be... (laughs) You might not like me afterwards. (laughs) I heard a story today. One great theologian said to another great theologian in in England, they were good friends and they were being real with one another. And the one said, listen, man, if I share my thoughts with you, you might just spit in my face because I'm a wicked man in my thoughts. And we all know that's true. You really don't want people to know what you think. That's why most of us aren't real, because we're afraid of what the outcome is going to be if we're real. (laughs) Making sense? Can I be real with you? Can I trust you enough to be completely real? You see, you can't do that with everybody. You shouldn't do that with everybody. (laughs) Number four, will you have my back? I see David going to Jonathan. Can I be real with you, bro? And, And will you have my back afterwards? Will you still have my back when I tell you your daddy's trying to kill me? Are we still going to, is this friendship still going to be what it is today if you know that your dad's trying to kill me? Are you going to take his side and think that I'm bringing false accusations against your dad? Are you going to take my side and go against your dad? What are you going to do? I mean, relationships are kind of nerving, right? At times they get a little tense, right? Do you? Will you have my back? Chapter 20, you need to read it one day. Chapter 20 is all about this plan that, 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 so David gets real with Jonathan. He says, bro, your dad's about to kill me. No, man. And then the first four, he says this. He says, I, he says, tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. Tell me what I can do to help you. That's what a good friend does. Tell me what I need to do to help you then there was a feast coming up. I'll give you the, the quick version. There was a feast coming up. And, and David said, listen, Jonathan, I'm not going to be there. Tell my dad I went to, back to my parents' house. And tell your dad I went back to my parents' house and that I'm not here. And I want you to feel him out and see if, if, if what I'm telling you is true. And Jonathan does. He says, okay. He says, well, listen, Jonathan says, well, listen, I want you to hide in this field. And in and, and, and two days, I'm going to come. And if, if my father is against you, I'm going to shoot some arrows and I'm going to shoot them past you. If I shoot them past you, that means you need to run. If I shoot them to the side of you, that means you need to stay. Everything's cool. Jonathan's having supper with his dad, and his dad comes unhinged about David. His dad gets real about David, like I'm about to kill him. Jonathan goes, shoots the arrows a little further past him, and it says, you need to run, bro. You were right. My dad's tripping. (laughs) He's coming at you. And then we pick it up right here. Towards the end of chapter 20, verse 41, it says, as soon as the boy was gone, David had a boy retrieving his, Jonathan had a boy retrieving his arrows. David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. for We have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. You see, you got to understand something. Loyalty has to be tested. It has to be tested. You can say you're loyal till you're blue in the face until you've had an opportunity to be disloyal. You don't know if you're loyal until you've been tempted and got a little scoop on somebody. You see, one of the hardest parts about being a preacher or a pastor is letting people in. Because you don't know if they're going to be loyal. Because a preacher has this stigma on them that they have to be perfect. When I get dirty, I stink. When I work, I sweat. I'm real. <laughs> If I let people in, I'm always cautious. Okay, if I let them in, if, if we go have dinner together, can I relax? Can I be real? Because if I can, I, I, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? Are you feeling me on this? I mean, can I? I read in the story David bows down three times with his face to the ground to Jonathan. You know what that tells me? That back at the beginning of chapter 20, when David said, listen, bro, your dad's about to kill me. And he got real with Jonathan. I think from the beginning of chapter 20 to the end of chapter 20, he was wondering if Jonathan was going to be loyal. Think about how Jonathan proved his loyalty. Three arrows passed him. You need to run. My dad's coming after you. What did that say to David? this dude's for real. This is a good friend. You want a friend like that? You want to be a friend like that? It was in that moment that David realized, this guy's got my back. Jonathan spares David's life and sent him away. He continued to speak truth to David, no matter how hard it was. Think about how hard it was for Jonathan to communicate that my dad's about to kill you. You see, a good friend will warn you of what they know and see in your life. They won't just sit back and go, ooh, that's going to hurt. No, they say, hey, stop, ho, 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 stop. A good friend, when you go to them and you start fussing about your wife, they may listen for a minute, but then they're going to go, okay, hang on a second. Time out. Time out. Let's get real about this situation. I appreciate you being open and honest with me about your wife. But let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you what I see. You got friends like that? You got friends like that that'll come back and say, hey, let me tell you, bro, you got a friend that'll come to you and say, dude, you're a bonehead. Dude, you're stubborn. Turn around, repent to your wife, tell her you're sorry for being a, and and ask her to forgive you. Right? We all need friends like that that will speak the truth to us no matter if it hurts us or you. Come on, I need somebody to tell me when I got something hanging out my nose. Right? Not to sit up and say, I wish he would get that thing out of his nose. I don't don't want friends like that. I don't want friends that come up and get up in front of me and go, Hey, bro, listen. Mm, You got something hanging out your nose, bro. You ought to go to the bathroom. I love it when a a buddy comes up to me with a a mint and he goes, Hey, pastor. Put some mint in your hand. That's the universal sign for your breath stank. (laughs) You go, Oh, God, thank you. You got another one? (laughs) Coffee was strong this morning. Ecclesiastes 4 9 to 10 because we need friends it says this two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed if one person falls the other can reach out and help but someone who falls alone is in real trouble likewise two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm I use this verse on my wife but how can one be warm alone that was a freebie guys You need to quote scripture to that woman. A person, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen to me clearly this morning. You need this kind of a friendship in your life. You disagree. You agree? Do I agree? Yes. This is like communication, like you respond back. I feel like I'm talking to my kids sometimes. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. like did you get that? I don't need you to build my self esteem and say, Ah, preach, preach preach. I don't need you to do that. I just need you to let me know you're getting it. It still ain't working. Woo. Alright. We all need friends like that, right? Last one. Will you help me reach my destiny? Will you help me reach my destiny? Number one, is God setting us up? Use some discernment. Number two, are they good for me? Just be straight up honest. Is this good for me or not? Number three, can I be real with you? Number four, will you have my back? And then number five, will you help me reach my destiny? Are these people, uh, is this person going to help me get to the destination that God has for me? There's a question you need to ask. Now, unfortunately, nobody taught you this in first and second grade. About how to have friends. And how to be a good friend. Right? Or will you help me reach my destiny? First Samuel, chapter 23. David's on the run. He's on the run. Saul is coming after him, full head of steam, trying to annihilate him. Jonathan is still with his dad, but his heart is still joined with David. In chapter 23, starting in verse 15, it says this. One day near Horesh. David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware of. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed in Heresh. You got to get this this morning because you need some friends that will come and find you and encourage you when they know that you are going through something. You need somebody looking out for you. It blesses me more when somebody calls me up and says, man, you okay? Yeah, bro, I'm all right. You sure? Because, man, I've been praying for you, and I just feel something in my heart. I've just been praying this for you, and I go, uh, yeah, it's true. I've been, I've been, under, I've been under pressure. I've been, that blesses my soul. You know why? Because it communicates to me that other people think about me too. I'm really not all alone like the devil's telling me I am. Jonathan finds David. Risk his relationship with his father. Risk being killed himself to go find his buddy and say, bro, stay strong, man. Don't give up. Stay strong in the Lord. Don't quit. Keep going. My dad's not going to find you. He's not going to kill you. You're going to be the king, bro. I'm going to be with you. I Maybe mean, you could have used that call, that phone call this week. Huh? You see, a good friend won't let you quit when they see something great in your life. But a good friend will search for you and find you. Just to encourage you. And then it says they reek renewed their pact between each other. As if to say, man, we still good? Our pact is still good? Come on. (laughs) Listen, when my my wife's having a bad day and she's just going through female issues like women do sometimes, and she's quiet and she's kind of maybe a little edgy, sometimes I get real nervous. I'm like, okay, what did I do? What what did I say? What did I not do? Man, did I miss an anniversary? Did I... (laughs) Then I say good morning. I mean, what, what did I do? And I'm, I'm sitting over here like in a mess. I'm just a mess. I'm like, oh God, are we okay? And then finally I go, hey, we good? Yeah. Did I do something? Mm-mm. You just going through something? Mm-hmm. You want me to help? Because sometimes, <laughs> at least it is with my wife, she just won't be left alone. Just let me walk through this by myself. Okay, sister girl, I'll be over here praying for you. You let me know when we can talk again with this peace, love, and hair grease. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just going to wait over here till you give me the or something that <laughs> says we okay again. <laughs> right? Jonathan looked him up, searched for him, and found him just to encourage him. Just to encourage him. You see, that here's the crazy thing about the whole story, is that Jonathan was in position to be the next king. He was lined up in the perfect spot to be the king of Israel. He was the man. But he recognized that there was something great in David. And instead of getting jealous of God's anointing and God's presence in David's life, he decided to be the wiser one and come up underneath it and help him reach his destiny. I'm not going to be jealous of you. I'm going to support you. A good friend's not going to talk behind your back when you get a little victory. They're going to celebrate with you. Amen? They're not going to whisper things. They're not going to think certain things. They're going to be on your team. Come on, because your victory is their victory. And so, what if it's better? Because some days you win when I'm losing. A real friend recognizes the struggle, and they encourage you into your destiny, they won't let you quit. I don't know about you, but I wanted to quit several times. I needed a good friend to say, just keep going, bro. Sun's coming up tomorrow. It's a new day tomorrow. Don't quit. Keep going. Don't give up. Last verse, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. Oh, that we could be a Jonathan to somebody. You hear me? Oh, that we could be a Jonathan to somebody because you need to take this message the right way. It's not about the kind of friends I need, it's about the kind of friend I need to be. Because I need to be the friend that I need. I need to be the friend in somebody else's life that I need. You reap what you sow. If you, re- if you sow a Jonathan type of friendship into somebody else's life, you're going to reap a Jonathan type of relationship from somebody else. Amen? But if you're, if you're sowing something different, you're just getting what you've been sowing.